Ludus Novus, Episode 4, August 28, 2006. Hurt me plenty. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Ludus Novus, the podcast about uh, the art of interaction, interactive fiction, digital games, and role-playing. My name is Gregory Weir, and I've been having an interesting week. Summer's over, and school's going to start this week, so uh, I've been kind of busy, and this podcast is coming a little later than usual. Today, we'll be talking about difficulty and completeness. We're going to be looking at how hard games are, the trends that difficulty has been taking lately, and how to view completing a game versus reaching the end of a game, and how difficulty enters into that. So something that we sort of take for granted in interactive entertainment is that games will be hard that there will be a set of obstacles that you as a player have to overcome in order to progress in the game. So games might have enemies that you have to defeat and you need a certain amount of skill in order to kill them or it might have puzzles that you need to figure out in order to advance in the game. And a lot of this is due to the the nature of games as games that they're they're not just stories. They come from amusements for people. They are a form of entertainment that stems from very simple works which were all these obstacles and didn't have any story to them at all. In Graham Nelson's extended essay, The Craft of Adventure, he calls interactive fiction a narrative at war with a crossword. And it's that crossword half of any game that gives it difficulty. And sometimes it's not a crossword, of course. Often it's some sort of Twitch game that is difficult to find a metaphor for. But there there is sort of this duality in all these games, that there's a story, or at least some narrative, some progression of events, that you're trying to reach the end of, and in order to do so, you have to jump through these hoops. And that's that's given that's an oversimplification of interactive entertainment. And I think that if it's well done, it doesn't feel like you're jumping through a series of hoops. But um, there is this, this duality in, in most games. And very, very rarely in interactive entertainment do you see strictly a narrative without any obstacles in the way to pace it or to slow it down or to make it fun. My significant other is a gamer from way back, but she tends to use walkthroughs and hint guides 
as just a matter of course of playing through a game because she, in her words, wants to see how it goes. She wants to get through the, the narrative part without having to deal with the, the more difficult clues of the crossword. It's not that she doesn't have the skill to get through these things if she worked hard enough at it. It's just that she doesn't want to have to go through that rigmarole of getting good at it in order to get the rest of the story. And I, I think that that is something that developers should look at a lot. You often have difficulty settings in games. You have easy, medium, and hard. And often, hard is nearly impossible, and even easy by the end is difficult enough to require replaying a certain scene over and over again. Take as an example the second of the recent... Prince of Persia trilogy, Prince of Persia, The Warrior Within. I played it through on easy mode, as I usually do in games, because I want to see how it goes. And the final boss gave me so much trouble and so much frustration that I almost set down the game. And in my opinion, if someone selects easy mode, it's because they don't want a very difficult experience. They want to see how the game goes. And I think that while people are used to having these obstacles in games, that there are a lot of people who are longtime game players or new game players that just don't want to go through all that. They don't have the energy. They don't have the reflexes. They just don't have the, the time to waste on getting good enough at a game to get past the very difficult parts of it. And if you want to have it be a difficult game you can include that i just would prefer it if more developers would have their easy mode be truly easy and have their hard mode be reserved for those who want uh, an increased amount of difficulty that kind of brings me to the issue of completeness in a, in a lot of games among them, console role-playing games, uh, things like Final Fantasy, Chrono Trigger, that, that general school. You'll see a game which, in order to get from the beginning of the plot to the end of the plot, you have to do so many hours, but it takes twice, three times, ten times as many hours in the game in order to get everything that there is in the game, all, all the side quests or all the, the, the content in the game. Um, in a game like Grand Theft Auto 3, there are an amazing number of things you have to do to get a 100% in the game, which is you have completed the game. And when you get the ending cutscene, you might be only 20 or 30% done with the game. So this, this is a case where there's a lot more crossword than there is narrative. And it, it ties into replay value, the idea that once you go through the game for the first time, you'll go through the game a second time or, or go through it more after you've gotten the ending cutscene in order to get more value out of it. I have an ex-roommate who will complete, defeat every game that he plays if he can. He will get 100%. He will get all the side quests. He will level up his characters to the maximum level that they need to be. And then there are other people who will just want to beat the game and aren't interested in that content. So it becomes an interesting challenge for people who develop interactive entertainment 
that much of the content that they make will never be seen by any given player. And there's even been an arguable maxim bandied about in, in the game development communities that is, most of your players will never finish the game. And that's kind of a weird thing to say. If, if you said to a novel writer, well, most of the people who read your novel, and I assume we're saying, read your novel and like it, will never finish it. In, in our community, we, we've created this, this form which the narrative isn't important enough to want to make sure that most of the people who play the game will finish the narrative. There's so much more emphasis put on the crossword part of it. I just think that's interesting. In my own works that I make, I kind of like every person to get to the end. I want people to experience the story or the experience that I want them to have and not stop in the middle and just say, oh, that was fun, I'm bored with it. Of course, I have a tendency not to finish games myself, and I've sort of tr been trying to do better in the past few years, but it's, it's difficult when you have to work through all these obstacles and all these crossword puzzles in order to get to the end of the narrative. Role-playing games have their own unique areas in which difficulty becomes an issue because there are two kinds of game masters, two kinds of people who run role-playing games. There are the ones who view it as a sort of contest between the game master, the GM, and the players so that the, the game master wants to defeat the players, wants to kill off their characters, makes them wants to trap them, and sort of the old school Dungeons and Dragons feel of having every room be a death trap that the players have to figure out or they die. That's one kind of game master. And then the other kind of game master is the one who says, oh, we're doing collaborative narrative and we're building up a, an improvisational theater with rules. And for, to that kind of GM, you don't want to kill off your character. What fun is killing off the players? You want to get to the end just like they do. And that difficulty there, where some GMs will say that if a character doesn't die, there's no point to playing the game. And some will say that they never want to let a character die because the, that isn't fun for the player. Th there's an interesting duality there. And unfortunately, in both these cases, in, in digital art, digital interactive entertainment, and in pen and paper role-playing games, it seems like some people like the difficulty, and some people like to just see how it goes. After the break, I'm going to talk a little bit about the evolution of difficulty in, in video games, and I'm going to try and take a look at some ways that we can have an interactive entertainment experience without having these sort of hoops that you jump through. Don't know 
So, if you have any friends that are big retro video game fans, you hear time and again that modern games are just too easy. If you look at some of the very earliest games that were out there, whether they're role-playing games or interactive fiction games or other digital games, you'll see that they are much harder than the current selection. Games like Adventure had enormous numbers of points. They weren't anything like the current interactive fiction games, which many of them can be beaten without solving much of a puzzle at all. If you look at early arcade games like Pac-Man, Pac-Man is a game which can't be beaten. If you do well enough to get to its last level, the game crashes. This is, this is the, the level of difficulty that we had way back in, in the elder days of gaming. Even even up until the, the birth of home consoles, a little ways in with the Nintendo Entertainment System, the original Nintendo, the original Legend of Zelda, even though it had things like saving, which was a new thing, but, you know, much before that, games, if you died, you were done. You had to play it all in one playthrough. And if you got a game over, that really was game over. There was no going back. But the original Legend of Zelda, given I'm not very good, but I died 77 times playing The Legend of Zelda. Games used to be really hard. And you had lives that actually meant something. It, when you lost all your lives, you didn't go back to the last save point or have to restart a, an area. It used to be when you ran out of lives, you were done. Then people decided to distinguish between lives and continues, and pretty soon continues went away. You were able to save, and a lot of games you can save at save points. And then with PC games, you, you got to the point of being able to save any time. There's a button that you can use to quick save. And games have become not something that you battle again and again, just just keeping trying them from the beginning, starting over every time you get a game over. They've become the sort of game where the most doing it over you do is if you die in a scene, you hit quick load to reload a minute or two before. And, and I think there's a, a very significant thing that has caused games to become this much easier. The people playing games aren't seven-year-olds anymore. Games for the original Nintendo have always seemed to me like they were written for seven-year-olds. They were written for people who could play a game over and over, who had the time to play a game over and over to get better at it, to get good at it, and had the reflexes, and had the, the sort of simplicity of approach that they don't get bored by playing the same game over and over and over until they get good at it. Now, that's not to say that you're simple-minded if you find those old games fun, but with games that are written for people who do other things, who can only play for an hour, two hours at a time, even four hours at a time, you need saving. You can't have 
a system on all the time, paused on a game while you eat. You can't do that sort of thing. And so we've got this system of save games and so on. But I do think that we've lost a little something in that because now if you die in a game, if you, your character's died, it's, I mean, it's, it's a big deal to your character. It's the end. But to you, it's just, oh, I died. I'd better reload from a minute ago. In the older games, there was, ironically, considering their simpler narrative, a bigger connection to the player character. Because when he died, you lost a man. You lost a life. And you were that much closer to having to start the whole damn game over again. And I think that's something that's missing from a lot of games, that death doesn't have as much of a meaning. Especially in massively multiplayer games. In World of Warcraft, you die, it's a minor inconvenience. Well, it's a decent inconvenience, but it's still relatively minor. Now, I'm not saying that you should be able to get a permanent game over anymore after hours and hours of work, because I don't think that that would be fun. I don't think it would be fun to spend 10 hours and then have to start over and do those 10 hours again but I'd like to see someone come up with a way to make death meaningful and yet not so much of a inconvenience the recent game Prey from 3 Realms does an interesting thing with death if you die you're sent to a spirit world where you have to uh, defeat wraiths in order to gather enough spirit energy to return to the real world that's kind of cool I kind of like that I do think that we're at the point in interactive entertainment where we can remove a lot of the obstacles, a lot of the puzzles or skill tests that exist in games that just sort of obstruct the narrative. Uh, first of all, I think that if you've got puzzles in a game, especially this especially applies to interactive fiction, but also to any other game, a puzzle should be meshed in with the game well enough that it makes sense why it's there. This is one of those basic aspects of puzzle design that you don't want to walk into the kitchen and have to rearrange the soup cans to spell a word so that the door on the second floor will open, as in Seventh Guest. You want to have the puzzles make sense as to why they're there. Why is this door locked? Why does this puzzle help me unlock it? How can I figure it out? That's something that, that the Missed, game, missed games, ironically, have had success at. Because there are so many of the things in missed games that are just, oh, I need to solve a Rubik's Cube in order to get the spaceship to work. And then there are other things that are just genius works of puzzlery where it fits in the world, everything makes sense, you know what to do once you figure it out, and it's beautiful. So uh, it's hot and cold with a missed series. But I think that we can make games that are nearly puzzle-free. Because there, a game can be fun without being hard. And I'm currently working on an experiment in a, of a game which has very, very few puzzles, yet has a decent amount of interactivity. It's not a Ramses or a Photopia where the feeling of the game is that you're being told a story that you have only a decent amount of effect on. I'm trying for a game which will actually give the player a choice, but still not have them have to figure hard stuff out. 
I think that's about all I have today. Um, I'd really like to hear if anyone has any ideas on how to make death meaningful but not inconvenient, or any ideas on really difficulty, completeness, anything like that at all. You can post a comment at ludusnovus.net, or you can drop me an email at gregory at ludusnovus.net. If you like the podcast, um, rate me in, in the iTunes music store if you use iTunes. I'd like a decent rating, at least a review. That'd be nice. On my next show, I think I'm going to talk about length of game and classifying games like we classify works of static narrative. I'm Gregory Weir, and I hope you've had a lot of fun today. This podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 2.5 license. You'll notice that's different than usual. That's because of our song today. It's Big Bad World 1 by Jonathan Colton and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 2.5 license. Have a nice week. Staying inside, lying in bed, noticing something that's not there. Follow my heart, follow my head, I'll follow anything that might get me somewhere. Catch your eye when she's pouring my coffee and search my head for a If I keep my mouth shut, I'll save some time What if the bad